0: We've talked a lot on the show about housing affordability, the ongoing housing crisis. How do we address it? One way could be to implement some changes to create better buildings. We're talking about it right now with our guest, who's associate professor and jointly appointed in the Department of Civil and Mineral Engineering and Department of Mechanical and Industrial Engineering at the University of Toronto. Wow, what a title. Dr. Marianne (laughs) Tushi is joining us. Dr. (laughs) Tushi, thanks so much for making the time. having me it's great to be here obviously coming at this with a lot of expertise you wrote an article for theconversation.com talking about canada's housing crisis and the fact that it really demands better buildings approaching building multi-use buildings with maybe a keener eye to make them more attractive and more energy efficient i want to just talk first a little bit about the urbanization of canadians a lot more people are living in cities so a multi-unit housing strategy
1: is really the way that we need to go right Exactly. We just don't have that much space in downtown urban areas to have everybody have a single family detached home with a front yard and a backyard. And I realize that's always been the dream, but... Um, I think we we really need to start looking more critically at multi-unit residential housing um, and doing a much better job of it.
0: Yeah and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think that that is really the dream and remains the dream for a lot of people. I think we wrap up a lot of our sense of identity in our homes and so to try to make something other than you know your big standalone house with your big backyard and your big front yard something that's appealing to you I mean it's a it's a pretty big job. There are a few areas that you talk about in your article one of them is being being more energy efficient with building these multi unit housing um, buildings. Can you expand on that?
1: I mean, you would think that if you're putting a whole bunch of houses together in one building, you could deliver energy more efficiently than we do in, say, a standalone house. But that's just not the case. We see these buildings using more energy in some cases than single-family homes. And so there are lots of little things that we can do in terms of the building design to improve energy efficiency. And so I think we need to be more focused on those details.
0: Is it is it expensive to
1: implement some of those changes? Is
0: that why it's not being done?
1: I think. Part of the reason why is that one of the one of the big contributors to poor energy use, but also transferring smells and noises and mm-hmm. bugs and all of these things that people think about sometimes when they think about apartment buildings, it actually has a lot to do with transfer of air between apartments. And dealing with that is actually really cost effective. It's things like weather stripping and caulking and And tape and polyethylene sheeting, these are all very low cost items, but it takes the way we design and build the buildings and the care and attention to detail to make sure they're airtight to really be successful with those approaches, but it's not a huge cost. Implication.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because as you're describing this, I'm thinking back into some of the places that I've lived and there was one apartment building many years ago where the couple downstairs would fight and you'd be able to hear every single word of it. And it was in some ways, you know, sort of entertaining, but then in other ways, very off-putting and soundproofing. Yeah, not when someday. you're trying to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> soundproofing a building should be kind of a no-brainer. Are you talking about, you know, kind of going in and retroactively making some changes to buildings that exist? Or are we talking about new strategies in the new building processes
1: it's a lot easier to do this in new buildings Um, although there are some things you can do in existing buildings Um, I I do think though that it needs to be this multi-pronged approach, like we need to do with air leakage, but you bring up noise, which is a really interesting piece because noise travels through, noise goes where air goes, but then there's also impact noise. If you've ever heard your neighbors stomping or having a party, Mm -hmm. there's, there's things you can do like acoustical underlay underneath the floor that can improve that situation as well, but much easier to do in new construction.
0: I think these are some of the things that you don't necessarily see in a, an apartment or any sort of multi-unit housing building. But what about the parts that you do see? You know, the design and making these places that are actually appealing. If someone is really trying to chase that dream of having that that really big house that seems like that's really what we value as Canadians, how do you make an apartment more appealing design-wise? Yeah.
1: That's a great question, Um, and that's something that we're actually starting to do more research on, um, but looking at alternative forms, like why do we have these, uh, you know, 60-story condos in the sky with, you know, one little window at one end and sort of these long bowling alley suites? You need wider suites. You need suites that look in two different directions so you can open up the windows and get that cross ventilation. You need good quality outdoor space, so larger balconies, which means you can do interesting things with the built form like stepping it back like a staircase. So rather than having these towers, we want to think about lower rise, mid rise buildings with higher quality outdoor space and frankly, larger suites that resemble the space types that we have in houses. You know, a lot of us have worked from home home over the last couple of years and that's been really challenging for people living in a bachelor condo unit or one bedroom plus den like we need to think about how people are using their houses differently and build multifamily buildings appropriately.
0: Yeah there are so many buildings that you could look at and know exactly what the layout of some of those suites look like <laughs> without even stepping foot into them right and it is exactly it's very isolating if you live in you know sort of a, a shoebox situation up in the sky but from a builder's perspective that's a lot more cost effective to keep chasing that so how do you incentivize a builder to build something that's maybe a low rise with a little bit of a bigger footprint for someone.
1: Yeah I think that Really, where planning, uh, really strong planning and zoning um, regulations come into play, because you can limit building heights and you can you can shape built forms based on municipal policy and zoning guidelines. And so, cities really need to to enforce those. Um, I know in Ontario, what happens a lot of the time is the, the local planning guidelines will be well thought through and you know in line with the with uh, the local neighborhood, and then you know, the developer can just go and get that overridden at the provincial level. And so I think we need really robust planning guidelines and be very, very clear about what it is, what are the appropriate building types in these different parts of the city.
0: That's so interesting that you can do that, that you can override it provincially. Is that the case? You know, you're describing Ontario, but is that the case in other provinces as well?
1: I'm sorry, I don't know all of the (laughs) the details in other provinces, but I suspect it's probably fairly I mean if it's happening in Ontario I'm sure it's happening in other places in the country as well yeah yeah. I would imagine but, uh, that it would be. Can't but, speak to Edmonton specifically.
0: <laughs> but I think, you know, creating creating a city with some attractive living options for people is essentially what we need to do, regardless of the city. How do you how do you start making these places more comfortable and more livable? What about amenities? There's so many buildings now that have things attached to them, like gyms and pools. Is that something that tenants need or is that a worthwhile investment when it comes to creating a more attractive situation for multi unit housing buildings?
1: Yeah, I think so that what happens within the building and what happens around the building mm-hmm. so within the building we want to start to think about it's not you live in a condo until you decide to have children and then you move out and try to find a single-family home how do we better support families in multifamily buildings so sure having bigger suite sizes helps but also having playrooms and having gyms and places where kids kid-friendly places within buildings but then also ensuring and this is sort of where the municipal oversight comes into play ensuring that where you've got new development happening there's also appropriate high quality outdoor space so that people don't feel cooped up in their apartments. so they can go across the street to the park and kick a soccer ball or you know have a freezy on a park bench or something like that like those things that you might do in your backyard you need to provide those spaces in other ways so we're getting a lot of efficiency in terms of packing a lot of homes into a small space with multifamily buildings but we need to make sure we're compensating by providing high quality outdoor space so that people want will make that trade
0: off. Yeah. You know, Dr. Chushi, you're from the University of Toronto and with so much density in a city like that, this is something that you're you're likely already seeing, you know, maybe we're not quite in the same position here in Edmonton in terms of looking at what the options are for multi-unit housing and and building them better, but are you seeing some of these strategies already um, already implemented when it comes to the buildings that are that are going up
1: in Toronto? Um I mean there there are some there are some developers who are looking at larger family-sized suites, um, but from what I can tell, it's, again, most often driven by local planning requirements. Like, mm-hmm. you must have X number of three-bedroom suites. You must provide this funding to support a local park. So I'm not necessarily expecting developers to do it out of the goodness of their hearts. I right. mean, they need to make money as well. I understand that, but um, I think it's, it's making sure that, sorry, I'm coming back to the planning guidelines, like making sure that um, those regulations are, are in place. Um, but, but it's quite complicated because as soon as you allow one 60-story tower, then the lot of land next door will be priced so that um, it only makes sense to build a building of an equivalent height. So there's there's a lot more complexity to the situation, but, but I do think um, planning guidelines is one way to start moving us more in that direction.
0: Yeah, and then you sort of get into a situation where your entire downtown is just high rises, just stacked. Yeah, well, that's exactly bottom. what we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's interesting to imagine, you know, sort of creating a new way that we that we think about where we live and where we where we grow our families. Maybe it's not in that standalone home. Maybe it is in a multi unit housing option.
1: And I, I just want to add, I think that um, that we should also think, of, think about it not so much as a trade-off, but also all of the benefits that you gain from now living in a walkable community. Um, mm-hmm. You can walk to stores and parks and walk to your child's school. You don't necessarily have to get in the car to go and pick up a carton of milk. So there, there, are, there might be trade-offs in terms of losing a backyard, but I think there's a whole lot to gain in terms of your quality of life um, and less driving around.
0: Right. Dr. Tushi, thank you so much for making the time and uh, for clarifying uh, your article. I really appreciate it. Oh, my
1: pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Take care. Take Dr. care.
0: Dr. Marianne Tushi is associate professor and jointly appointed in the Department of Civil and Mineral Engineering and Department of Mechanical and Industrial Engineering at the University of Toronto, talking about Canada's housing crisis and how it demands better buildings. And maybe that's the way of the future that You know, you don't live in that giant big house. Maybe you move into an apartment, but it's got some better ventilation and soundproofing and uh, the temperature is improved and maybe you got a little bit more space than what you have now.